Romans. You guys enjoying Romans? It's a pretty amazing book. Um, last week we covered the first 11 verses in chapter 8, and this morning we're going to look down at, start at verse 12. I believe we're going to get down through 18. Um, maybe a little further, I'm not quite sure where we'll end yet, uh, but we're definitely going to get through 18. If you look at chapter 8, verse 12, it, the first word there is therefore, and when you see that in Scripture, it should always point your attention back to what took place previously. In other words, Paul's building on an argument. He's, he's adding to something. He's, say, he's saying, in light of, based on what I just told you, I'm, what I'm about to tell you is based on what I just told you. And for us to pick up in chapter or verse 12 without rereading the first 11 verses, I don't think we would have the, the, the good picture of what Paul's talking about. So I want to read the first 11 verses, and then we will pick up together in, uh, in verse 12. So follow along with me, if you would, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And we're going to see some amazing truths that we covered in depth last week. Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now... No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Last week we covered, just by way of review, four amazing truths that we pulled out of those 11 verses. Verse 1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit was the first one we mentioned. The second one we mentioned is that we are free from the law of sin and death if we're a believer. The third one, if we're a believer, we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And the fourth one, there in verse 11, if Christ is in you, then the same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. Because of those truths, Paul says, therefore. Therefore, brethren, in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, because of what we just read in the first 11 verses, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We are debtors. What is a debtor? What does it mean to be a debtor? It's somebody, it's somebody who owes somebody something. If you went and bought a house and you took a mortgage out on your house, you are a debtor to the bank. If you bought a car and you have a car loan, you're a debtor to the, to the bank that has that car loan. If you have a credit card 
and you use it throughout the month, you are a debtor to that company. You go, wait a minute, I pay my bill off at the end of every month. Well, you're still a debtor because it's coming due. You, the moment you swipe it, you owe. You owe them something. You, you have to pay that bill. It's coming. You know it's only a matter of time before that bill comes. So what Paul's saying here is as believers, we get all these wonders. There's no condemnation in Christ if we're in, in the spirit, not in the flesh. We're free. But he also says here now, you are a debtor. You're a debtor. You're indebted. Because of all of this, because of all that Christ has done for you, because of all of what we're receiving in Christ, we're indebted. And look what he says. We're indebted not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, in other words, we're not indebted to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. So Paul's saying, listen, we're in debt, which means we owe something. It's, it's, our, it, it's our obligation to return something because of what Christ has done for me. When I believe on Jesus Christ, I'm placing myself in a position where I'm going to give back to him. Now, I don't want you to confuse this with the works-based salvation because that's not what we're talking about here. When somebody truly understands the sacrifice that Christ made for them in their life, they want to be in debt to him. When you sign the mortgage to your house, you wanted to be in debt because of what you were getting, right? When you sign the loan for your car, you wanted to be in debt or whatever it is because you want what you're getting. It's worth it to you. And it's the same principle that Paul's applying here. When you sign up to follow Jesus Christ, you want the benefits that you're getting from being a believer in Jesus Christ. We're not in the debt to the flesh anymore. That means you don't have to pay the flesh anymore. You don't have to pamper the flesh. You don't have to listen to the flesh. You don't have to, you don't, you're not obligated to give the flesh what it wants. And by flesh, what are we talking about? Our body, our, our, our hands, our arms, our legs, our, our fleshly desires, our, our emotions, our feelings. We don't, we don't have to follow these things any longer. Wouldn't it be silly to pay off your car? And you, ever, you ever paid off a car and you get that letter, you're, you're done paying off the loan, and you get that letter that says, congratulations, you've paid off the loan, you're no longer in debt. Do you keep making payments? No, that would be stupid. The bank would probably take it. Yeah, okay, if you want to give us money, we'll keep taking it. Why would we keep making payments to the flesh when, we've, when that bill has been paid? When that debt to our flesh has been paid where we, don't, we no longer have to, can we follow it? Sure you can. Can you still make payments on the car or the house that you paid off? I guess if you want to write the bank checks then say this is a gift for you, go ahead. But that'd be pretty silly, wouldn't it? Most of us are trying to get out of debt. We don't want more debt, and we're certainly not going to, give, we're not going to pay somebody that we don't owe anything to. So here he's saying we're, we're in debt, but we're not in debt to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Notice what he says in verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. This, is a, this address is what I believe is a major problem in Christianity today, especially in the United States of America. Because I personally believe, and you're free to disagree with me on this, I believe there is far too many people who claim to be Christians who are, not, who are living according to the flesh. There are far too many people who are not being led by the Spirit. They, they, they base it on, well, when I was young, I, I went forward and I prayed a prayer and the pastor told me I was saved and I am good to go. I am eternally secure. I can walk forever. I can do what I want and I am good to go out of there. But what does this verse say? If you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. If you live according to the flesh, that's it. You're going to die. But if you live by the Spirit, what are you going to do? You're going to put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. It's a contradiction. It's a, it's a picture of, it's, a, it's life and it's death. And there, there's, now, please mis, don't misunderstand. We're going to go a little bit further on this before we get done here. But please, Paul's not saying that if you, if you make a mistake and give into the flesh. 
you're going to die. He's saying if you are living according to what your flesh is telling you to do, that means your life is, is built around, your life is structured around what does my body want? What's going to make me feel good? I want, is, is it food? Is it entertainment? Is it travel? What is it that, that's, what, where am I getting my, my direction in life from? What is it that's guiding me? When I, when I look at my ultimate goal, where do, I want to, where do I want to be and why do I want to get there? Is it my flesh? Is it, is, it, is it my flesh that's leading me? Or am I really going to the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you have for me? What's, what's in my life for you? You see, Paul says, if we live according to the flesh, you will die. And I am convinced, as I just said, there are way too many people who have been sold a false bill of goods. I talk to too many people in our community, and I talk to them about Christ and salvation, and I hear far too many times, I did that when I was a child. I, I went forward, I prayed that prayer, I, I made that confession. And the next very follow-up to that question would be, are you living according to the flesh or according to the spirit? And you take them right here to this section of scripture. Because if they're living according to their flesh, what does it say? It says you're going to die. If you're living according to the spirit, you're going to have life. What did Paul say previously? If we're living according to the spirit, we're, gonna be, we're, gonna be we're not going to be carnally minded. We're going to be focused on the things of the spirit. We're not going to be that way. And look what he says for as many that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What is it that's leading you this morning? What is it that's guiding you through life? I'm not saying that you can't enjoy a hot fudge Sunday one evening and say, oh, that's a fleshly desire. I'm not saying you can't enjoy a, a good cup of coffee or something along those lines. But if your life is focused around where is my next hot fudge Sunday coming from? Or where is my next cup of coffee from? Or when is my next vacation? Or when is my next promotion? Or when is my next fleshly satisfaction of this desire? Then you're being led by the flesh. You're being led by it. it, it it's something that, you know, we have the ability to tell our flesh no. You can say no to it. You don't have to be led around by it. And Paul's saying as Christians... Our flesh is dead. We've already, he's already exhausted that argument in, in the previous chapters. Stop following it. He told us, oh, wretched man who, that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of sin and flesh? He said, thanks be to Jesus Christ. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Brings me to another point. Maybe you've heard it said, aren't we all children of God? We're all children of God. Maybe you've heard that said. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that we're all, we're all the, God's creation. All of mankind is God's creation, but it says right here, as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. He's going to expand upon it a little further in the, in the next coming verses. Don't make the mistake of thinking, just because I'm a, I'm a human being and I'm alive, well, I'm God's child. No, you're God's creation. God loves you. God wants to have a relationship with you. But if you're not allowing God to lead you, you've rejected that relationship that he wants to have with you. For... He says in verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So he's building here, he says, For as many are led by the spirit of God, he said, you didn't receive the bondage. When you became a Christian, you're not in bondage all of a sudden. The bondage came from when you were stuck following your flesh. Whatever my flesh wanted, then I had to follow that. But he says, no, we, we have a different, that led you to fear. If you live under the old law, if you live under a, if you live under a life of rules, you know what you have to be afraid of? Breaking the rules. Every time you set up a rule for a structure for yourself, you're going to find yourself breaking the rules and you're going to find yourself falling short. Oh, I can't believe I broke the rules again. I can't believe I, did. I didn't get up and do my morning devotions. I didn't get up and do the, what I was supposed to. I'm a bad Christian. Bad Christian. God should be mad at me. 
God didn't set that rule. You set that rule. He wants to spend time with you maybe in the afternoon that day because you slept in a little bit that morning because you needed a little extra sleep because you were up late because something, one of your friends called you. They needed some counseling and some help. You know, be flexible according to the Spirit. Oh, by the way, before we go on to 15, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? That's a good question. What does that look like practically in somebody's life? What does it mean, you know, you know, Rob, it's easy for you to say be led by the Spirit of God. Well, I don't hear any Spirit of God chirping in my ear telling me what to do. I don't hear any Spirit of God that says, you know, why don't you go out and do this today? I don't. Listen, it, it's, it's real simple. The Spirit of God is going to lead you into repentance. The Spirit of God is going to lead you into alignment with God's Word. The Spirit of God, he, He's going to lead you in ways that, that are, that are in sometimes are even unexplainable. They're, they're even, you just know that you're supposed to do this. I don't think the Spirit of God is going to lead you into something that you don't want to do or someplace that you don't want to be. And here's why I base that on. If you think of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, I want you to turn there. Proverbs 16, verse 9. Proverbs 16, 9. This was a, we all have life verses or verses maybe throughout your life that the Lord has spoke to you, meaningful to you uh, directly. This is, this is one of mine. Proverbs 16, 9 says this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. When the Lord is leading us as believers, he's going to take the very things that he plants in our heart from creation, and those are the things that he's going to use to lead us. He's not going to take somebody uh, like me who can't sing, who doesn't really have any interest in music, couldn't play a, a guitar or any other instrument and say, well, I want, I'm going to lead you to be a worship leader. It's not going to work. That's, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I have no interest in doing that. He's not going to take you know, somebody who, who hates the mountains and move them to the mountains because they hate the mountains. He's going to take the very things that he births in you, the very things, the way that he created you with the emotions and the feelings and the, your, your, your passions, the things that you like. The, the, oftentimes it's hobbies and things that we're already doing. He will take the things that you're good at, the things that you like doing, and he will just conform them and lead you to be able to use them for his glory, for him. And you can be able to accomplish things. You know, what, what was once just, I'm doing it for my pleasure, now you get to go to another level. Because now all of a sudden you take those things that you like, that you're passionate about, and you say, I'm going to do them for God's pleasure. I'm going to do them for the Lord. So it's no longer me who's enjoying this hobby. Oh, you're still enjoying it. It's still wonderful. It's even more enjoyment because now you go, now it became my ministry. It became the very thing that God is using in my life. When God does something in your heart to move you or to lead you off in a direction, you're going to want to go. You're not going to go, well, I don't think I really want to go. I don't think I really like that. You might be that way for a season, but you know what? If your heart is truly to seek God, doesn't he know what's best for you? You're going to align with his will, and when you take those steps to do what he's called you to do, you find out, wow, he was right. I really am blessed by doing what he asked me to do. I didn't want to be a pastor. Remember, I've told the story. I wasn't even sure about coming to Cumberland, Maryland. If you'd have told me before all this happened that you're going to be a pastor, I'd have said, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. I'm not a pastor. That's, that's somebody else's job. But as I began to study, and he birthed in my heart the desire to study and to learn and to apply his word. 
I can't do that in my own, on my own strength. As I began to study, and all I did was start teaching at my local church that I was in, I started sharing at a men's group what I was learning. That's all I taught was what, what God was showing me, and the guys were getting blessed by it. And I was, look what God showed me in the Word, and look at this, and let me show you this, and let me teach you that. And it began to grow, and people started getting blessed. And, wow, you should, you know, people started saying, you should be a pastor. No, no, not me. I don't want to be a pastor. I'm a police officer. I got my career laid out, mapped out, tracked out. I know what's taking place. I know where I'm going. I already got it. My, my plan is in motion. We're halfway there. That's what I figured. And then I realized, I don't want to do this anymore. I want what God wants for me. What started out as a little bit of, eh, I'm not so sure, I came right into alignment with him because it was what he wanted for me. And then I get here, and I watch what he does as he builds the church, and he works in your lives, and he builds the radio station, and all the other ministries that we got going on. And I, can, and I sing that song that we just sang, Come and See What the Lord Has Done. I think, wow, come and see what the Lord has done. Here in Cumberland, see what he's doing with our radio station, with our ministry, with our, not just us, he's doing it in, all other, in other churches too, but look what he's doing with our fellowship. Come and check out what God's doing. And it's not just what he's doing outside, come and see what he's doing in our hearts. Come and see how he's changing our lives, he's changing our marriages, he's changing our, our he, he's working in us intimately and we're growing deeper in a, in a deeper relationship with him because we're studying the word and he's doing things that we didn't even think were possible. I love hearing the stories with you guys. Share with me. Let me share. Let me tell you what God's doing in my life. Let me, let me just, since we've come to this church, God's, it's not me. I don't get any credit for that. It's the Lord doing it. I'm just the guy who said, I'll go. All right, Lord, I'll give it a shot. What do I got to lose? A career? A family maybe? Who knows? You go, Lord, I'll go. But then I get to be blessed by it. And just think if I hadn't come. If I'd have said no, I would have not, if I had not let myself be led by the Spirit. You see, because as I was being led by the Spirit, one of the things that came into my mind is, Rob, you're not qualified. You haven't been, you're, you're not trained enough. Never been to Bible college. Never been to seminary. Don't ever pretend that I am. Nothing wrong with it, just not the path I took. Everything I study, is, it's all self-taught. Please don't misunderstand uneducated with, with formal education. I'm not uneducated. I'm very educated. I spend a lot of time studying, a lot of time preparing, all of that stuff. It doesn't mean I'm uneducated. It just means I haven't been educated formally. That's the path that God gave me. I've signed up for seminary twice because I wanted a degree or a diploma to show that I, that I could prove it. And both times the Lord put on my heart, no, I'm the one you're coming to. I'm the one that's going to show you what to teach. I'm the one that I want, I want to minister through you. I don't want you there. I still hope someday I can go because I want to go. But it's not something that I have an opportunity to do right now. What I'm saying is when he leads, it doesn't mean you're prepared. It doesn't mean you're qualified. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. When he leads you, he will equip you. When he calls you, he will equip you. He will provide for you. He has provided for my family financially up here. Where, where could I find a job up here as a police officer and, and be a pastor when we first started? It was amazing. I didn't know how he was going to do all that. Lord, how are you going to provide financially? How are you going to do all this? I had no idea how it was all going to take, take place. I said, but Lord, I'll take one step. I'll take the next step. I'll pack up the family and I'll move. And we did. We packed up the family. We moved. All right, what's the next step? We've got to start a Bible study, Rob. It took me 12 months to start a Bible study. 12 months before we started the Bible study. In that 12 months, all my friends back home quit calling and asking what's going on with the church plan. You know, when you first go out, everyone's excited for you. Great, you're going to start a church. How cool is that? Oh, good. Praise the Lord. And then they call after a month. All right, how's it going? Well, we haven't started yet. Six months. How's it going? We haven't started yet. Nine months. What's going on? Nothing. What are you doing? Why are you there? I'm waiting for the Lord to show me the next step. And I, have, I thank the Lord for a faithful wife because she was with me the whole time. 
And she never doubted and she never wavered. And neither did I, because the Lord had confirmed in my word, in, not my word, his word, he had confirmed, this is what I want you to do. And I had it in my heart that I didn't care if the church went or didn't go. I knew I was going to be obedient to the Lord. You see, I, I took and I said, success in this endeavor is not based on what happens or doesn't happen. Success is based on whether or not I walk in obedience to what God has called me to do. Will I be led by the Spirit? If I'm led by the Spirit, I don't worry about what happens. Like I've said many times, I don't care if the church grows, if the church shrinks. What my, my concern is, do I faithfully teach God's Word every week and God will bring the people? That's why we don't have church movements and, you know, fill the pews and fill the chairs. And we, we don't do all that stuff. It's up to God. Book of Acts, the Lord added to the church daily. The Lord did the adding to the church. My focus is, can I be obedient to what God has called me to do in my part in this ministry? And that takes such a burden off me because I don't have to worry about what's coming next. I don't have to plan. I don't have to figure out what's our five-year plan. I don't have to do all that because that would drive me insane. I just say, Lord, what do you want to do? You take the next step. Lord, if the seats fill up, you'll have to bring us to a new building or we'll do, you figure it out, Lord. It's in your hands. And I can walk that way faithfully. And I've been walking that way faithfully since we started. It's what it means to be led by the Spirit. Now, that's what it looks like in my life. What's it look like in your life? It looks like you taking the things that you desire and offering them up to the Lord. You know what, Lord, I really, I'm, I'm really, my hobby is this. I want to do that for you. Can you help me in ministry? When we started, my, one of my hobbies, and I still love it, I don't get much time anymore, is cycling, bicycling. We had a bicycle ministry for four years when we started out. We gave 100 over 100 bicycles a year out to children in this community called Broken Chains. Very little spiritual fruit in the lives of the kids, but lots of, lots of friends, lots of, met lots of people. And uh, it was something I did for four years. It was a hobby. It was something I enjoyed that I got to pour back into the community. And it would be, it, the Lord turned it into a ministry. It wasn't just about me anymore. It was about what other people, how could I serve other people in our, in our fellowship? And that's how our church got started. When we first started, we met in a bicycle shop. We had a little fake bicycle shop and, you know, over, over across from Chick-fil-A over on Park Street, it was a, we had a little workbench on wheels. We would roll it off the way and set up a few chairs and there was only 10 or 12 of us that would meet in there. And that was our, that was our Bible study. You'd have gone in, gone in and said, well, that doesn't look much like a church. It looks like a bicycle shop. Well, it is. You know, it was a dirty, the floor was a mess, and that's just how we did it. But the Lord, the Lord built, the Lord built. As I stayed faithful to do what I was called to do, the Lord grew, and he grew, and he grew, and he grew. And he, and he kept it one little step at a time. We didn't, we didn't seek to grow the church. We didn't advertise. We didn't do all that. Lord, it's, this is your body. This is your church. And he began to do the work. And as we sit here today, and I look around, and most of the chairs are full. There's, there's a few empty seats, but not many. It's the Lord that does that kind of stuff. It's the Lord that brought you guys here. All of you have your own story. Who would have thought I would have been on the radio? A lot of you heard me on the radio. That was never my expectation to be. That wasn't my, my church planting plan. It's not in the church planting manual to start to buy a radio station. You know, most church plants can't afford a radio station, and neither could we, quite honestly. But the Lord did something miraculous. He brought together people, and he gave, brought in the finances to do that, being led by the Spirit. As a matter of fact, after walking with the Lord as to where I've come in the last We've been here since 2008. I don't want anything else. I only want to be led by the Spirit because I know where my life leads when I take control. And when I get to watch the Lord lead, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch what he does. Most importantly, most, the most amazing thing is to watch what he does in the lives of people. People. It's not about the building. It's not about the radio station. It's about your lives that are being changed because you're hearing God's word being taught. And again, we're not the only place doing it. Lots of churches are doing it. But hearing, coming to our church, hearing God's word taught, and then you see lives change. You see families affected, and you go, wow, God. 
How did you use a cop from South Florida to come to Cumberland, Maryland and do something like that? Only the Lord could do that. And he gets all the glory. So that's what it looks like to be led by the Spirit of God. That's what it looks like in my life. Will you give that a try in your life? Will you begin to say, Lord, lead me? You know, I've been making all my own plans. All my own stuff has been, I've, got, I've set all my own goals. I've accomplished all the things that I want. I'm laying it out there. Lord, how about, how about you just lay it all down and say, Lord, what do you want for me? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to serve? How can I, how can I serve, Lord? How can I be faithful? What, what is it that you want me to do? I promise you, if you were to take that step, when you look back five years, one year, ten years, you are going to be so blessed you would not even expect it possible. It doesn't mean it's easy because there's lots of times where you go, are you sure, Lord? This sounds crazy. How is this going to happen? But as you persevere and you take those steps of faith, the first step is to believe on Jesus Christ and to allow him to lead you. Notice what he said there. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the flesh. Notice how the deeds of the flesh are put to death by the spirit, by the spirit. The spirit puts the, it's not, it's not your work. It's not your self-control. It's by the spirit. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When we became believers, if you're a believer, you, you did not receive the spirit of bondage. We're not in bondage to our flesh. We're not in bondage. We did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear, but we received, notice what we get, the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're under the law. Outside of a relationship, you're always living in with fear of where do I stand? How am I doing? What could I do? When you believe on Jesus Christ, it says you receive adoption. You receive adoption and you have the ability to cry out and say, Abba, Father. The word Abba, it means daddy. It means daddy. If you go to Israel with us in 2018, you'll hear little kids running around, Abba, Abba, Abba. It means daddy, dad, dad. It shows that there's a relationship there. It's the connection between a son or a daughter and their father. It's, it's, it's a bond. It's not just a person. He's not just a, a God that's in outer space that you don't have any connection with. It's, he's speaking of a personal relationship there. And it says you've received the spirit of adoption, which means you've been adopted into the family of God. In the Roman culture, this meant something. In the Roman culture, if you were adopted, you lost all rights to your previous family. You lost everything, all connection with them, all everything you lost. But the family that you came into, you became a part of that family just as a biologically born son. You received your inheritance. You received everything that that, that, that family had to offer you. That's who you became because you are now adopted into that family. And this is what Paul's telling us. He's using that picture of adoption. He says in verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Well, how do I know if I'm a child of God? You know you're a child of God. If you're a Christian, you don't have to wonder, am I saved? The spirit's bearing witness in your heart. If, if you're wondering this morning, am I really saved? You might not be. Because I can assure you, I don't wonder at night if I'm saved. I don't have to lay my head on the pillow and go, Lord, am I really saved? I'm not sure if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. No, the spirit, it, I just, it's, you just know it. There's, there's, there's symptoms in your life. You just know that you're saved. You know this relationship, this personal relationship. Rob, you're the pastor. We all don't have that kind of relationship with the Lord. Yeah, you need to. I had this relationship before I was a pastor. And it's only continued since I've been a pastor. 
My, the relationship with the Lord is based on, 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 on you wanting a relationship with him. It's not him wanting a relationship with you. Do you want a personal relationship with the Lord? You have to seek it out. You have to be willing to be led by him. You can't just live your own life and do what you want. Go, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said it as a kid. I said that prayer. I'm good. Got my fire insurance policy right here. I even got baptized. Let me show you the certificate. doesn't mean anything. What's happening in your heart? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. Notice what it says. We're children of God if we're believers in Jesus Christ. We're walking according to the Spirit. It says we're heirs. We have an inheritance coming. We have a, we, we have, we're heirs with Christ. We're like, like brothers. We're, we're, why? Because you're in him. Remember, we're, we're in Christ. Once we believe, we're put into Christ. So this is why we can stand before God. This is why we can be adopted into the family of God. Not because of us being good people, because we are in Jesus Christ. It's what he accomplished for us on the cross. When we choose to accept what he accomplished, we believe on him, we get adopted into the family of God. Why would you ever want to be writing checks to the flesh when you can now be led by the Spirit? Don't miss out on this. This is very, very important for, for the Christian life. We need to be spirit-led people. And I'm not talking weird, freaky kind of stuff. The Lord will lead you if it's your desire to be led by him. But he need, you need to have that desire, that heart that says, God, I want, I want what you want. I've done too long what I want. Maybe even as Christians, you're sitting here this morning and go, yeah, I've been in church my whole life, but I've never really been led by the Lord. Give it a chance. Let him try it. You know, sit around and wait for a while. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I do this? He, if that's your heart, he's going to make it happen in a way that's supernatural. It's, it's almost unexplainable. It just happens. It just, he just does that. And look what you, he's bearing witness that we're children of God. If children of God, then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You say, wait a minute, I don't like that word suffer. Uh-uh. I, I was with you. I wanted to be an heir. I wanted that inheritance. I wanted that. I wanted that. I wanted that. I want to be, I want to be like Christ. I want that. Uh-huh. I like, I like this. You know, there's no condemnation. I like that we're free from the law. I don't like that suffering part, Rob. Notice what it says. Indeed, if we suffer with him, didn't Christ suffer? Didn't Christ suffer? He suffered on the earth. He suffered and he suffered here, didn't he? At, at the hands of mankind, he suffered. It shouldn't surprise us that we're going to suffer on this earth, should it? If we were to go around the room and ask, if I was to ask for a show of hands, give me, everybody raise your hand if you've ever suffered in this life. I bet every hand would go up. And then we could start the game of, well, my suffering's been worse than your suffering. And I've done, this has happened in my life. Oh yeah, well, I know a person this is going on. And I know a person in, in, in Iran that's being in jail for their faith. And, I, and you, you could do that. But the reality is we're all suffering in some sense. We're living under death. We're living under, under sin at this point. So suffering is taking place. It, it, it's, it's going on in the world around us. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. Christ suffered. Don't ever buy the fact that as a believer, there's never going to be difficulty. There's never going to be suffering. Sometimes people share Christ in a way of saying, well, just believe on Jesus and everything will be okay. It will be okay in eternity. It will be okay because you can get through what he's called you to walk through. But it doesn't mean that there's not going to be suffering it doesn't mean there's not going to be difficulty. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be heartache and hurt, but it's all going to bring about an opportunity to give him glory through it all. It's all going to be allowed or in your life for some reason or another that he is in control of, and you can walk through this with the power of the Lord in an amazing way, giving him glory if you 
if you want to. Now, if he ended there, that would be kind of sad, but he doesn't. Look at verse 18. And we'll close with this verse. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You see, I don't like that suffering part either. And I know sometimes I look around and go, oh, I hope suffering's not coming. I'm not in it right now. And you might be the same way. But here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, the sufferings of this present time. And I think Paul, when it comes to suffering, if we were to play the one-up game, he's probably got us all beat. Most of us haven't been to prison a couple of times. Most of us haven't been shipwrecked. Most of us haven't been beaten until we were dead. He's got it. He, when it comes to suffering for Christ, suffering on this earth, I think Paul's got it down. I think he's writing from a position or a perspective of experience. I have suffered, Paul said. And here's what Paul says. I can tell you the sufferings of this present time, they are not even worthy to be compared. They are not worthy to be compared with the glory, not that you're going to see. Look what it says. To the glory which shall be revealed in you. The glory that's going to be revealed in you. Suffering on this earth is temporary. God's glory is going to be revealed eternally, forever, and you can't even compare the two. If you are going through a difficult situation, highlight this verse, underline it, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your car, on your bathroom mirror, wherever you need to see, be reminded of it. Because if life right now is really, really hard, you need to remember this. It's only temporary, and it's not even going to be compared. You can't even speak of it in the same sentence of what it's going to be like when you're face-to-face -face with the Lord. It's not even in the same realm. It's not even that way. So Paul says, therefore, because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit, because you're free from the law of sin and death, because you are a believer and you're not in the flesh but in the Spirit, because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you, therefore you are in debt to the, not the flesh any longer, you're in debt to the Spirit, to live according to the Spirit. It's, your, it's, just, what, it's just what you should do because of what you're receiving. You, you, you and I as Christians need to come to the Lord and go, Lord, all that you've given me, of course I want to live according to you. I want to write those checks every day. I want to write, I, that loan I don't ever want paid off because I never want to stop receiving the benefit of what you've given me. Too many Christians never give God a chance to lead. They don't know what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. Too many times it's made to look like something funny or something goofy or something not serious. Jesus said before he left, it's good that I go away because I leave with you the helper. He's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness. He's going to lead you in all truth. He's going to testify of me, speaking of the Holy Spirit. As Christians, as followers of Christ, if you want to be different than the rest of the world, be led by the Holy Spirit. What does it look like in your life? I can't give you 10 steps. All I can tell you is if you'll seek God, if you'll read his word, you'll continue to study and you'll continue to pray and you'll, and you'll develop a heart that says, Lord, I want to be led by you. He will absolutely, positively lead you because I believe with all my heart, he made each one of us for a specific purpose. He, when he created you at the, at, at the beginning of time, when he was creating the earth, he knew I was going to make Rob. Rob was going to start out this way. Rob's going to be a police officer. I'm going to call him to Cumberland. I don't know what the rest of the story holds, but I sure can't wait to find out. And he did the same thing for you. You might not be a pastor or in ministry or something like that, but don't, don't, here's what, again, I've said it a million times, your calling and my calling, not, one's not greater than the other. 
People often say, oh, you've got the greatest calling. No, I don't. The greatest, you have, whatever your calling is on your life, that's what you need to be obedient to, and that is just as powerful in your life as me doing what I'm called to do. It might look like on a human realm that my calling is somewhat greater, but it's not. If you're called to be a plumber and fix toilets, you do that to the Lord for your whole life, and you have fulfilled your calling, you're going to be rewarded the same way a pastor would be rewarded. We're no different. It's nothing different. It's, it's, it's the same thing. Be the person, fulfill the calling that God has in your life. Go to the Lord, Lord, what do you have for me? Will you be the one that leads me? And if you haven't been led by the Lord, if you sit here this morning and you go, you know what, Rob, you're saying all this stuff, and I like, I like hearing the stories in your life, but I kind of want those stories. I, how come I don't have any stories like that? I would encourage you to start your story now. Be led by the Lord today. Be led, start being led by this morning. You know, the stories that I share, I, I was led by the Lord long before I was called to plant a church or become a pastor. It started way, 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 way back as I started years ago as I started walking with the Lord. And, he, and I say it all the time. I started, you know where he first led me? is away from sin. Don't do this, Rob. Don't look at that. Don't say that. Don't act like that. That's the first place he was leading me. And you know what I had a choice to do? Do I want to follow him? Or do I want to go, no, nah, I'm just going to let that hang around for a while. No. That's the first place that he led me in my life. Where is he calling you this morning? Now, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention the other side of this because I've been talking to believers this morning there's lots of people maybe even people in this room that that aren't following the Lord and lots of us have friends let me ask how many how many parents out here raise your hand if you have a prodigal son or a daughter that is not walking with the Lord raise your hand if you have somebody that you know raise your hand go ahead hold them up if you if your if your son or daughter is not walking with the Lord look at all the hands go up right here in this church can we pray before we go any further can we pray for them Let's just pray for them. Father, we just come before you. Lord, and I just see the hands go up. For our sons and our daughters. That, Lord, maybe they knew you. Maybe they never knew you. Maybe they've walked away from you. Lord, they're, they're, as we look at their life, we can clearly see they're not being led by the Spirit, but instead they're being led by the flesh. Lord, I can imagine, having children of my own, I can imagine what it's like to have a son or a daughter that's not enjoying the fellowship with you that I'm enjoying with you not enjoying the the life with you that I'm with you so Lord I just ask that for all those hands that were raised for all those sons and daughters Lord, would you work in their life would you stir their hearts would you just move on their hearts to come back to you Lord or to come to you or would you bring those people alongside of their life would you convict them father you know the prodigal son was stuck in the pig pen if somebody had given him money he may have never come home Lord, so would you just strip them away of those things that they're seeking in the flesh just to where it's nothing but you left and bring them back to that place where they would need you, Lord, where they would give their life to you. Father, I know it's your desire that all be saved and it's especially hard when it's our children. So Lord, I ask that you'd bring them home, bring them back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you guys were prodigal sons and daughters? Raise your hand. See, he's working. Lots of hands go up. He's doing it. He'll do it. Don't give up. Don't give up hope and keep praying for them. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord and you haven't given your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you that you come see me today. We're going to play. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to give everyone a chance to bow their head and spend a few minutes in prayer before we close. People ask me sometimes, why do you do that at the end of service? Because I think it's, rather than get up and say goodbye to everybody, and I think it's good just to take a few minutes and let the word of God sink in. Maybe you've got to write a few notes about maybe the Lord showed you something. Maybe you just want to spend a few minutes in prayer. And, you know, 
Maybe you just need to thank him. Maybe you need to repent and say, Lord, I haven't been led by you. I've been led by my flesh. You know, so wherever you're at, just take two or three minutes and, and go to the Lord and say, Lord, where, where am I at? And spend some time with him in prayer. But here's what, if you don't know the Lord, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want you to come see me. I'm going to be standing right up here in the front row, and I want you to come see me, and I want to pray with you that you can accept Christ this morning. So if you don't know him, uh, it's time. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your Bible study. Thank you for your word this morning. And uh, Lord, we see a difference in the life of someone who's led by the flesh and someone who's led by the Spirit. The things that are important are different. Not that they can't even enjoy the same things. Lord, it's my prayer that every one of us here would be a believer in Jesus Christ and be willing to follow you uh, till the day that we die, Lord, knowing, yep, we might have suffering on this earth, but the suffering in this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which will be revealed in us when we come face to face with you. So, Lord, we come before you now. Just minister to our hearts wherever we're at as we take these few minutes in prayer. In Jesus' name.